You're listening to the Promised Church's Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this teaching by Pastor Aaron. For more information about who we are, please visit us at thepromisedchurch.com. Amen. Happy 4th of July. Come on, who here is wearing some colors? I see a few red, white, and blue. I'm wearing blue and white. Jesus' blood is red, which fills me and covers me so that you're welcome. Uh, it's good to be back with you. If you didn't know, I was in uh, the country of Iraq for the past couple of weeks. And um, it's good to be home. I, I'm alive. I didn't die. Praise God. And uh, we had an incredible trip. Thank you for all of you who were praying and uh, gave to what, uh, what we did while we were there. Um, we saw some amazing um, some amazing testimonies of what God is doing in that nation. We've actually been partnering now with the country of Iraq for about three years. There's a family over there. His name's David and his wife, uh, Danielle. They actually will be here on August 9th, which I encourage everybody to make sure to be here for that. Um, but we've been partnering with them now for a couple of years. Actually, two years ago when we went, um, we preached in a mosque. And it uh, was an incredible moment. And we were going to do that again this, this uh, time when we came. We were actually we're, we were going to go to three different mosques, preach all at the same time, and then leave so they couldn't retaliate. And uh, we did an event uh, a couple of days before, and word spread what we were doing. And so they canceled all the mosques on us because they wouldn't let us in. Um, but we were able to go out on the streets nearly every day for hours and hours and just preach the gospel to many different Muslims, many of them getting healed, many of them hearing about Jesus for the very first time in their life. And uh, saw many people encounter Jesus. Um, we we did a we we took many Iraqi Christians out with us. Obviously, we needed translators, but many of them just joined us on the streets. Many of them have never shared uh, about Jesus with anybody. Uh, during one of the sessions when we did a conference there at a church, a man came up to us and said, "You don't understand. If my family knows I'm a Christian, they will kill me." And um, and we call persecution wearing a mask. And um, and, and so we would go out on the streets with them on a regular basis, and uh, many of them would, would tell us point blank, like, we won't share about Jesus because it's too dangerous for us. And uh, we continued to take them with us. As long as they were with us, they felt protected. They're like, if we stand by the American, no one will kill us. And uh, by the end of the day, there was one man specifically who was like, I will not talk to anybody. And after about three or four days with us at the end, he sent us a text and said, I've told all of my coworkers about Jesus and that I'm a Christian. Um, we, we did a conference at a church. In fact, on Sunday, we spoke at a couple different churches. We went there. This trip was really to kind of activate the Christians that are there. There are 3,000 Christians in the entire country, uh, which is, I mean, there's so many zeros after the decimal point before it gets to a number to tell you the percentage of Christians there. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty terrible. Uh, we actually spoke at a church uh, there on Sunday, I spoke at a church Sunday night with 300 uh, people in the church, which represents 10% of all of the Christians in the nation. In this one church, 10% in the whole nation. And um, uh, it, it, it was an amazing moment to begin just to, to share with the churches. There, One of the pastors of the church that Sunday night that I spoke at told us a story how a couple years ago they tried to kill him. And they put a bomb underneath of his car. The bomb exploded with him inside of it. And uh, as you can imagine, a, a, a car being exploded, it was destroyed. However, he walked away without even a scratch on his body. And uh, so many testimonies. Almost every Christian you meet will have a testimony about how someone has tried to kill them. Many of them have been hospitalized. 
uh, because people have attempted to kill their life. Many of family members have attempted to kill them. And uh, so part of the challenge for many of these Christians there are just to, to stay, to not try to leave country. Uh, there's a turnover almost every two years of every person in a church because once you get saved, you try to leave the country. So part of it is just to pray that God will give these Christians vision for their land to stay, to count the cost and to stay and to preach the gospel. And uh, I just want to thank you for so many of you who've been praying for us. We were actually, I may be going, but we are for sure sending a team back later this year to do a conference for every church. The Lord has just given us a lot of favor with nearly every church from Basra to Baghdad to Erbil. Uh, and almost every church wants to participate in what we're doing. And so we're going to hold a church this fall from us every or a conference from us every church to come and attend to again equip them on how to go out into the streets and evangelize. Uh, funny story, we were around a mosque in Baghdad, downtown Baghdad, and just telling anybody who came out of the mosque, we would try to tell them about Jesus, which is not uh, safety-wise smart. And one man came up to us and he said, you don't understand how dangerous this, this is. If you would have told one of those men over there, they would try to kill you right now. Now, my interpreter was literally peeing himself in that moment. <laughs> and uh, uh, in that moment, you just begin to decide, what am I living for? Uh, David, who will be here the first Sunday in August, told us, he's like, I believe the scripture that says if you deny Christ before men, he'll deny you before his father. So he said, if they hold a gun to your head, do not deny him. Let them pull the trigger. And so in those, in those moments, you better but know what you're alive for. Are you alive for the preservation of your life or are you alive to bring glory to him? And uh, I, want, I want to be an example to not only them in Iraq, but here in this region that we will live for Jesus no matter what the cost is. And uh, so we're going to be doing that conference this, later this year. That's going to cost about $25,000 if you want to begin to give to that, which we will pay for the entire thing, uh, our ministry. And then next year, we're going to be holding a big conference, which we were going to be doing last year. Daniel Kalenda was going to come to preach, which is where Scott now is in Florida, which is going to cost around $125,000. And we're believing for three to 5,000 Muslims, not Christians, but Muslims to come into a giant soccer field or a giant basketball auditorium and just preach the gospel. And many of them will get healed as we saw this time. So if you wanna, if you wanna begin to give to that or to pray to that, we, would, we need your help. Um, we believe that we can see a nation saved. We truly believe it. Uh, we're going with that expectation and we won't accept anything other than that. And uh, we feel extremely blessed to be able to partner with what God is already doing there. We're just coming in alongside of what many amazing men and women are doing. So continue to pray for the nation of Iraq, pray for what's gonna be happening later this year, and then be here that first Sunday in August to listen to David, amen? Is it first Sunday? Sorry, second. Just be here the whole month of August. You won't be on cell phones, apparently, or video games. My son leaned over to me and was like, oh, man. <laughs> so <laughs> he's getting ready. He's already interceding. He's like, God, just speak something different to my parents. Uh, so, so be, be here the second week of August, David and his wife will be here, which I will say he probably is the most amazing man of God I have ever met. For hours, I just sat with him and asked him about eschatology, asked him about homosexuality, asked him about every random thing, divorce, every biblical challenging issue in scripture or in church life. And the man just brought truth after truth after truth. And so you will want to be here uh, to receive from him the second week of August. All right, grab your Bibles and turn them to Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. And uh, before, before I get in, I, I've 
personally have been in a very unique season over the past uh, maybe five or six months where, to be honest, I haven't been able to really put words to what I've been feeling. And almost like just this, this, this empty, this um, visionless approach and wondering, God, why am I not hearing clearly? Which maybe you're makes more sense now why we're speaking on some of the things we've been speaking on or God what what are you speaking in this season because I'm not feeling you the same way that I have been and really just been asking God to show me why why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling and not knowing if it's for me or if it's for the church or whatever and and uh, this last week the Lord woke me up early and was just spending time with the Lord and he told me to go read this book and that I'd, I'd purchased a while ago but just never had a chance to read. And I began to just to read the beginning parts of this book. And there was a sentence in there that I read. And as soon as I read it, the Lord spoke to me and said, that's for you. And it almost put words to what I had been feeling over the past five or six months. And it was this, is that sometimes the Lord will starve you out of a satisfied state to bring you into a place of desperation. And I felt, as soon as, soon as I read it, I just felt the Lord speak to me. He says, that is what you've been feeling. That he has been removing himself from where I've been so that we won't stay here. And that the Lord wants, he wants to fill empty vessels, but he cannot bring more of himself without the pruning. He cannot do it. And there's a scripture that we know very well that talks about God wants to bring new wine, but he cannot bring it in an old wine skin. And oftentimes we as Christians or as a church, as a, as a congregation, we expect the more of God without changing. That many of us here, we expect the miracle of God or we expect the breakthrough of God but yet you stay in sin and compromise or you stay in the same patterns that you've been in and you won't grow and I felt like the Lord was saying Aaron it's out of my kindness that I distance from you it's out of my kindness that I won't stay there because you can't stay there that if you want the more of me you must move and I feel like the Lord is starving us starving me out of this satisfied state so that we can become desperate again. And I believe that the Lord wants to do that here as us as a church, that it's not just for me, but it's for us as a church, that he's going to begin to change things, that I don't begin, I don't believe that it's the old season that's gonna to begin to change, but I believe the old season is ending and a new season is starting, that I believe that things are gonna to begin to feel and look and sound a lot different here, that things will change. I believe that I will look different to you than I have previously because I will not stay where I'm at. I want the more of God. At the Promised Church, we don't become intense for the sake of being intense. We are intense because we don't want to stay where we've been. We want to move into the goodness and the fullness and the blessing and the favor and the abundance and the revival of Jesus. And so I'm not preaching on this today, but I just, I couldn't keep it in any longer and I want you to begin to ask the Lord maybe you can identify with what I'm feeling or it excites you or something but I would ask you to ask the Lord 
for yourself as you're spending your time with him. Say, God, where are you leading me? God, I don't want to stay where I'm at. I'll tell you, I hate being satisfied because I want more. I hate it. I hate feeling content because I don't see what I read about in Scripture. Because what I read about in Scripture is cities saved. I see nations being one to the Lord. I see lives being transformed. I see dead people being raised to life. I see people walking out in authority and signs and wonders and miracles. And until I see it, I never want to be satisfied with anything less. And I'm so thankful for what the Lord has done. But I say, God, come and do whatever you need to do within me reveal whatever you need to reveal to us as a church because God we want to see this region come to know Jesus and so we pray about it when we close worship my brother was praying that our region that southwest Washington will come to know the Lord it begins with you it doesn't begin with the Lord doing something he isn't doing it begins with you and me dying to ourselves surrendering to the Lord placing ourselves upon the altar of the Lord and saying God whatever it takes I'm ready Some of you need to leave unforgiveness. Some of us need to leave pride and fear. Some of us need to leave religious spirits that we've held on to for years that have restricted us from saying yes to Jesus. Some of us need to stop resisting the Holy Spirit and begin to surrender to him. Some of us need to begin to love people and walk out with boldness in our life. But God is calling each and every one of you to lay down your intellect, to lay down your inconvenience, to lay down your life, to say, God, move me from where I'm at so I can get more of you. I want to leave this place because I want to receive the more of God. So get ready because we're not staying here any longer. We're not going to stay comfortable. And you'd be like, oh, dear God, because this place is far from comfortable. Maybe for you it's uncomfortable. For me, I can slide into this place with comfort. And I'm like, God, that's a dangerous place. Maybe some of you, if you've been here for a number of years, man, it can, even though this place is, is intense and can be, can be powerful at times, it can, we can slide into comfort. And comfort is the enemy of a move of God. And so we say here, God, destroy comfort, change us and shake us. Father, reveal to us what needs to change. Search our hearts, speak to us. God, because we want to move, because we want to see Longview and Kelso all the way to Vancouver come to know Jesus. Amen? Amen. So you should be there by now. Acts chapter 19. If you're not, you don't know the word. (laughs) Acts chapter 19. Verse 1 through 6. And it says this. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples and he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. I can't tell you how many people come to our church And basically say the same thing. We never knew that you could feel the Spirit of God like we do in this place. This is a type and shadow of so many Christians. I don't even have time to speak on this, but no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, into what then were you baptized? They said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him. That is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. When the Holy Spirit came upon them, they began speaking in tongues, 
praying in the Holy Ghost and prophesying. We should probably pray after that. Jesus, every religious spirit in here, we bind you and we tell you to go. Holy Spirit, we are here simply to meet with you. God, come. They are not here to hear a message. They are here to meet with you. So, God, I pray that you speak in Jesus' name. Speak to our hearts and transform us today. God, that we would leave different than when we came in. We would leave more like you. God, we open ourselves to you. We lay our intellect down and we say yes and amen to what you have to say to us. In Jesus' name. And everybody said Amen. Today, I want to go to part two of a message that I started a couple weeks ago, which was, God is speaking, are you listening? Anybody remember that, that message? Great. How many people have felt like God has been speaking to them more now that they know how to listen? Great. Eight of you. Praise God. Well, I've heard some testimonies from different people who came to me and said, I never knew that God spoke that way. That some of you became more aware of ways that God communicates to you. And today I want to continue on that topic, but if I could give a little subtitle, it'd be this, is that God wants to speak through you. Amen. God wants to speak through you. I'm going to no, I like, to, I like to preach, right? There's a preacher and there's a teacher. I didn't go to Bible college. I don't like three-point messages. I like to preach. Today, I'm going to teach. So I need you to work with me so I don't feel insecure about myself as I'm teaching. Okay, so I need you all to help me out a little bit. At the Promise Church, we exist to see cities saved, nations won, and lives transformed by being people of his presence. We are people of the presence of God. When you are people of the presence of God, what we mean by that is that we care about nothing else except Jesus. Church is not about you. It's not about me. It's not about your needs or your wants. It's about glorifying him. And when we exalt the name of Jesus, the name that is above every name, freedom then comes, breakthrough then comes, healing then comes, deliverance then comes. I don't come for the deliverance. I come for Jesus and then I receive the deliverance. Do you get me? At the promised church, by being people of his presence, all we desire is just to be with him. And when that environment is created, you can hear his voice. You can hear his voice clearly when it's all about him and you give him your attention. And unfortunately, in a lot of American church culture, in the capital C church, the prophetic culture or the prophetic gift is very rare and is very marginalized. Now, not here at the Promise Church. In fact, there's a lot of prophetic things that happen on a regular basis. People are prophesying all of the time. In fact, if you need a prophetic word, I'll give you about five people. Just go stand next to them during worship, and they will probably give you a prophetic word. Marlise is not here. I'd point her out. Just go stand next to Marlise, and she will give you a prophetic word every single time. And the prophetic has been a part of my life for a very long time. I can remember when I was uh, maybe 13 years old here at the church, and uh, there was a conference that was being done by a man named Don Ostrom. He was up in Seattle, uh, went to a church by the name of City Church up there, and he was coming to do a conference. And uh, during that time of my life, I felt like the Lord had given me a dream to, to be in business and to make money at 12 or 13. My dad was buying me like success books when I was 10 and 11, investing books. I was reading all these books and was like, this is what I feel I'm called to do. Actually, I was telling our staff when I was 14, I preached my first message at youth group. I preached it on success as a 14-year-old. Needless to say, it was void of experience and much value. But it was powerful. There's a video of it somewhere that my dad did. He was up in the crow's nest videotaping it back in the day. Uh, that would be a really bad trick if you played that. And, and uh, uh, so there, there was this conference, and I was like, God, 
I, I really need some type of confirmation that this is what you want me to do. And I was so excited to be here at this conference. I think it had something to do with, with finances. Is that right? Success, something. Success. I don't know. Anyways, uh, so I was excited to come. However, I was asked to serve in the nursery. And so I, I began to pray. And I was like, okay, God, I did my Gideon fleece moment. I was like, if you really want me to be in business, you will have the speaker call me out of the nursery and prophesy in front of the whole church that I'm to be in business. Then I will know that that's what I'm supposed to do. So I'm in the nursery the whole time praying with, kid, playing with kids, but I'm not playing, I'm praying. I'm like, dear Heavenly Father, please let him call me out. And I'm looking at the door, just waiting. I'm peeking through the window like he's going to motion to somebody in the nursery. And all of a sudden, my brother comes running in to the nursery and says, hey, He's looking for someone named Aaron. And so I run into the sanctuary. I come in here. I stand right over there. And he begins to prophesy over me. He says, God has called you into business and to create wealth and to being in finances. And he given you a new title today, that you're to be the treasurer of heaven. And he began to prophesy these scriptures and different things over me. And I've written it down multiple times. And that prophetic word has carried me through many different seasons in life where I was doubting what the Lord wanted to do. That prophetic word. Now let me tell you this. Write this down. Today is a good day for you to take notes. If there was ever a good day, today is a good day to take notes. Write this down. A prophetic word isn't a guarantee. A prophetic word is not a guarantee. It is an invitation to participate with the perfect will of God. I know people that have been prophesied over them that they're going to be a millionaire and go make tons of money and then they go become a school teacher. Okay, so it takes participation with the word. Okay, you have to put yourself in a position for a word to come true. Makes sense, everybody following me. So the question is, how do you receive a prophetic word? How do you give a prophetic word? Today we're going to talk about some of those specifics. We're going to get very practical today. Everybody like practical messages. I like to leave a message knowing what to do. You're going to know today. So let me give you some definitions. What do we mean about prophecy? Prophecy is this. It is men communicating a message from God that tells or foretells the future to God's people. It is to speak on God's behalf or the delivery of that message or word. That is what prophecy is. Now, if you, prophecy is, if you get paid for, that's called fortune telling. But prophecy is taking a word from God and communicating it to God's people. You all follow. A prophet in the Hebrew means this, a spokesman, a speaker, or a seer. Now, a now, the word prophetic or prophetic individual means this. It means that you have occasionally prophesy or you operate occasionally in that anointing but not in that office. What do I mean by that? There is an office of the prophet and there are prophetic people. There's a prophetic gift. An office and prophetic gift. The office of the prophet falls under what Ephesians 2 and Ephesians 4 talks about in the fivefold ministry, right? The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the teacher, and the pastor, okay? 
the, the office of the prophet is used to communicate to kings or queens or regions or groups of people what God wants to say to them, okay? Whereas a prophetic gift is where somebody occasionally communicates the word of God to an individual. Y'all follow? Okay? Now, a false prophet, everybody's like, I know them. A false prophet is not somebody who prophesies and gets it wrong. Y'all are like, what? Okay? A false prophet is somebody who in their heart is attempting to deceive, who is filled with the devil and desires to deceive you. Okay, somebody who gives a prophetic word and gets it wrong is growing in their prophetic gift and is most likely immature in the prophetic calling on their life. Let me explain it this way. In the American church, we have zero tolerance for a prophetic word for being wrong. Zero. Now, if an evangelist goes and attempts to lead somebody to Jesus and they don't come to Jesus, do we call them a false evangelist? No. If somebody with a healing anointing on their life goes and lays hands on somebody for them to be healed, do we call them a false healer? No. But yet if a prophetic individual gives a word and it's not true or it doesn't come to pass, we label them as a false prophet. So for some reason, we have held prophetic people to a standard that we hold nobody else. A prophetic person who gets a word wrong is merely growing in their prophetic gift. And it's important that a church begins to create an environment for people to learn how to operate in the prophetic anointing. Because if they cannot learn how to do it here, they will never learn how to do it out there. This is the place for us to teach and to train people how to walk in the prophetic. Amen. And let's be honest, there has been a lot of bad examples of how to prophesy. I mean, let's just look at recent history. Let's go back to 2000s and Y2K. The world was going to end. And, and all these prophetic people were coming out that were, that were saying, because you have made intellect your idol, God is coming to smite the earth. And because every computer nerd forgot about a certain digit, the world was going to come to an end. So everybody went and got water and rice and created bunkers. I remember I was 12. And I, I was so sad I wasn't going to be able to play my computer game because all computers were going to stop. The Oregon Trail. I was never going to be able to play the Oregon Trail again. We were sheltered as children. That's why we shelter our children. We lock them in cages when they get home. <laughs> Just kidding. And then Y2K comes and goes, and guess what? Nothing happens. Then there was 9-11, and all these prophets were like, that's God destroying America for the sin in this country. And then 2005 comes and all these prophets are like, the, the bird flu is going to kill millions and millions of people. And then just recently, last year, all these prophetic people, Donald Trump is going to win the presidency. Got real? What, no, no laughter on that one. No, no laugh too soon, too soon, still, still sensitive. Oh, Donald Trump's going to win. And if you don't believe it, you don't hear the, they were wrong. He hasn't won. He still didn't win. If you were wondering. And then there were prophetic people saying that, that COVID-19 was going to end on Pentecost Sunday last year. All these prophetic people, COVID-19 is going to end on, on Pentecost Sunday. Guess what? It didn't end. 
And then there was prophetic people. There was a pastor that stood on a stage in a 30,000 member church in Texas that said, Jesus was coming back last fall. He hasn't. And so it can be really easy for your heart to become jaded towards the prophetic, to have mistrust towards the prophetic because you've seen it abused. You've seen people use it for their advantage. And oftentimes those people are not undercovering. They're not under authority. A prophetic person who is not under authority of a local church, I will never listen to. And I would encourage each and every one of you, if you listen to somebody who is a prophet and they are not submitted to authority, do not listen to them. They do not have proper spiritual authority in their life. If you remember nothing else, remember that. Any prophetic voice you listen to should be submitted and held accountable for the words that they say. 1 Thessalonians 5 says this, in a culture, in a day and age where many people prophesy, this is important to understand, do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test all of them. Hold on to what is good and reject every kind of evil. So in an age where many people are prophesying, when people get it wrong, are you to just assume that God's not speaking anymore? No, it says throw out the bad and hold on to the good because God is still speaking. Do not treat prophecy with contempt, which means believe it. Believe it. And let's be honest, in the prophetic community, if a good, healthy culture is not created, prophetic people will distance themselves from the local church. If you don't know that, that is very true. Many prophetic people in churches today distance themselves because they are misunderstood. Because let's be honest, prophetic people can be a little weird. Like, yeah, you're all, <laughs> yeah, you're all scared to laugh at that one. They can be, like, if you drive in the car with the prophetic person, every road sign, oh my gosh, it's exit 21. Verse 21 in John 3 says this. Every road sign, every bumper sticker, you see someone with a blue shirt on, you're like, divine revelation, you're wearing the color blue. Like if they sit next to a, a clock that's digital and it says 1234, they're like, divine orders, one, two, three, four, that's God speaking right now. And every single one of them has a special number. Oh, my number's 21, and every time the clock says 21, that's when I know God is speaking to me. Well, that's 24 times a day. So if you want to know if God's speaking, you just wait till that moment saying back, oh, that must be God. That's called manipulation. Right? They can be a little weird sometimes. And all, all the fivefold ministry can be weird, right? An evangelist is like, why are we in church? We should be out preaching the gospel. You sinners, you're sitting again. Get out of your chair and go. Go right now. Well, who should we go to? Find anyone breathing. Just preach the gospel to them. If you don't get 10 testimonies a day, you're not even saved. Right, this is, this is what evangelists do. And everywhere, you go to dinner with an evangelist. You're like, oh dear God. Every person, Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you and you and you and Jesus loves you and he loves your dog and he loves all of you and you need Jesus. And you're like, good night. Right, and then, and then there's the teacher and the teacher's like, all we do is we read the scripture and I will baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Bible. And, and they wanna do, they wanna do, groups on the songs of Solomon and Leviticus and if you just talk to a teacher you're wrong like you're just wrong from the beginning don't even try to argue because they know and you don't know 
And we never read enough scriptures in church. We never do. A teacher's never satisfied. And then there's the pastor. He's like, everyone just come here. I just love you. I'm sorry the pastor yelled at you today. I just love you. I just love being your pastor. And can I just, can I just tell you I love your family? And how's your children? And how's your wife? And how's your dog? How's your dog? Is he doing so good? I just love pastoring you. And here's my number. Call me for anything. You can call me if you need help. If you need me to come to your house, just call me. I'd love to come to you because I just love pastoring you. I just love you so much. You're just so amazing. I love you. That's the pastor. And then you have the apostle. And the apostle comes to you and he just says, Shabbat. Shabbat, 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 Shabbat. The only answer to everything in life is we just need more Shabbos. We just need the fire of God to come to this region and Shabbat, 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 Shabbat. You need more of God, just pray in the Holy Spirit. Just We need to pray in the Holy Spirit more. They're all a little strange. All of them. That's why you need all of them because when you mix them all together, it's beautiful. When you get a bunch of weird people together, somehow God moves. I mean, look at our church. We're just a bunch of weirdos. Some of you are sitting back like, I didn't know this was so messed up. That's the gospel. People, people look at church and be like, you guys just must sit around and just enjoy the sweet presence of God. No, we tarry. Like, it's tough. Because I got to work with a pastor all the time. He's like, I got to work with you. Because God is... God places people with different personalities and giftings. And we are to pursue all of them. See, we look at those types of people, people up on stage or whatever it may be, and we're like, oh, they're the superstars. They're, they're awesome. Do you know that they're not to do the work? That they're actually to show you how to do the work? Let me show you. In Ephesians chapter 4, it says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints, to equip the church for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. We all, all that fivefold ministry is there to show you how to do it. To show you how to evangelize, to show you how to prophesy, to show you how to pastor, to show you how to teach. They're all there to equip you to do what they're doing. It's not so you can watch them. In Ephesians chapter 4, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it says, I wish that all of you, I wish that everyone would prophesy. Everyone. Can we stop choosing which gifts of the Holy Spirit we don't think we should do? Can we stop doing that? Like, oh, that's just not me. I'm just, you know, I, that's not my style. That's not my personality. Are you a believer? You are called to do all of them. Everyone. I wish that everyone would prophesy. Let me read it for you in 1 Corinthians 14. It says, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the other one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues. Praise God. Let's just take a moment and thank the Lord for that, that one verse right there. Praise the Lord. I want you all to speak in tongues, all of you. But the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you, 
sorry, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. In 1 Corinthians 12, 31, just a, a chapter earlier, it says, earnestly desire the higher gifts. See, we have a generation, not of young people, but of all ages, a generation in the body of Christ today that the enemy has lied to and a demonic strategy has come in to try to convince you that you aren't to do any of these things. That these higher gifts you don't need to participate in. In fact, you're just to watch and observe. And even though God has given you access to participate in them, it's not for you. It's as if God comes and gives you a car. And it's an amazing car. It's the only way that you have to, to get anywhere around in your life. But you leave it in the garage and somebody comes to you and says, hey, why don't you use your car? Oh, I, I don't, I'm not, I can't drive. But your car's right there. I know, but I don't, I don't, I don't want to get it out. I don't want to use it. And then you look out at everybody else driving down the road. Everybody's in their car, and you're like, wow, they are superstars. They're driving their car. And they're like, bro, you got one. Get in it. All those people that you look at like, wow, they're amazing. They just got in the car and drove it. The car that's in your garage, sitting there, and you're not touching it. See, we have this like observational mentality in church today where we just want to observe. We don't want to participate. And everybody else is in, in the game playing on the court, but we're all on the sidelines with our pom-poms and short skirts on, cheering them on like, oh, yeah, you're amazing. But you were never meant to be on the sidelines cheering them on. You were meant to participate. When we were in Iraq, we, when we were flying from Baghdad to Erbil, uh, Chris and I, we went and bought Iraqi professional basketball jerseys and we were like we're going to walk through the airport with these on and and hope that somebody comes and asks us for an autograph because <laughs> you know there was americans on the team so we're like you never know so we bought these jerseys and we're strutting through that that airport just like looking at everybody like you, do you know us do you recognize us and uh, a few people gave us looks no one asked for, for an autograph but that we were wearing somebody else's jersey that was on the Iraqi basketball team. This is the way many Christians live. They are wearing somebody else's jersey and trying to show as if they're participating in the game. As if they happen to be in the game and on the team. And so they wear the jersey like, look at me, I know what I'm doing. But in reality, they're a fake. They don't really participate. They just give the appearance. And I believe that the Lord wants for many of you to get off of the sidelines wearing somebody else's jersey, get the Damian Lillard jersey off and the pom-poms out of your hand and go check into the game and participate. Quit observing and start participating and pursuing the higher gifts of the Holy Spirit because they're for you. This is why many, and many Christians will say, but I thought God only spoke to one person because when I read scripture, I see Jeremiah and Isaiah and Daniel, and that's how God speaks. Well, that's how God spoke in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, there's a different type of prophetic culture. Let me show you this in Acts chapter two. It says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams, not just because they are tired. 
And even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Let me give you three very clear points about this passage of scripture. Number one is this for all people. It doesn't matter whether you're unqualified. It doesn't matter whether you've ever been to Bible college, whether you've read one scripture in the Bible. When you say yes to Jesus, he wants to speak through you and he wants to communicate so you can hear his voice and then give it away to other people. Okay, number, number two is this. Women can prophesy. Come on, where are my ladies at? Come on, women can prophesy. Miriam spoke for God, Exodus 15. Deborah was a prophet and a judge. Huldah in 2 Kings 22. Anna in Luke 2. The four daughters of Philip were prophets. And then there was Phoebe. Let me just say this. Just because a couple of religious men went and took a scripture out of context in the Bible, how could all of these women prophesy if they couldn't speak? And if you don't know what I'm talking about, great. But see, in Corinth, there's a scripture that says women should remain silent in the church. In Corinth, things were in utter chaos. Women were talking during the service because they weren't educated, didn't understand the scripture. People were prophesying in tongues without interpretation. And the leaders of the church were sleeping with everybody. It was utter chaos. And so, so Paul comes in to bring, to bring order to the chaos. And so what happens is the church will come and they'll take that one scripture out of context. What were these women supposed to do? Did they get a word and then walk out of the building, prophesy, and then walk in and be silent? I don't have time to talk on this today, but I'm just going to leave it there. Come on, holla at your boy. Where are all your ladies at? Come on, you're welcome. Come on, at the Promise Church, we believe that women are not second-class citizens in the kingdom of God. You all are called and chosen just as every man. Number three is children can prophesy. Your sons and daughters, children can prophesy. In the Christofferson home, we teach our children how to prophesy. We'll be laying in bed. Even last night with, with my daughter, we're laying in bed. I'm like, okay, I want you to close your eyes, Charlie, and the Lord's going to speak to you. She closes her eyes, so, so intent on hearing God. Just like as if she, she clenches her teeth, she'll hear him better. And then God will speak to her and say, okay, now I want you to ask him what that means. So she'll close her eyes again and God will speak to her what it means. Even this morning, I was like, Israel, I want you just to listen. And I, God's going to speak to you. And he actually got a word for you, Glenn. He, I told him, I want you to walk around the building and I want you to, God's going to point somebody out that he wants to speak to. And he came over to me, he's like, it's that guy up in the front. I was like, well, what does God want to say to him? And he wanted to say that his worship is changing things that God wants to speak through your kids, but you have to actually teach your kids how to hear the voice of God. And you'll probably hear some of their prophetic words and you'll be like, oh dear God, they thought of a giraffe and somehow the giraffe was gonna be in their bath bathroom with them while they were taking a shower. And, and you're like, oh, what is wrong with my child? They're learning. If I could tell you some of the prophetic words that adults have given, they're learning. Y'all are looking down on children. God wants to teach your children. This is what we do on Sunday mornings here on Tuesday nights. What Pastor Melissa is doing, she's teaching our kids how to hear the voice of God and how to prophesy. Because of the power of the cross, you are able to come into a relationship with God where you can, you can just like any relationship, you can have communication with Him. That God wants to speak to you the Holy Spirit will speak to you and then you will communicate it just like any other relationship. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. 
Jesus wants to speak to you through the Holy Spirit. The question is, are we listening to him? Second uh, Peter 1, 20 through 21 says this. No prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will. But prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Prophecy is not supposition. It's not an educated guess. It's not even discernment or wisdom. That is not prophecy. Let's be very clear. Prophecy is not wisdom. Prophecy is a divine revelation from God given to you so you can give it to somebody else. That is prophecy. It is not you coming up and you looking at something and figuring something out. Like, oh, that sounds like a great thing that God would want to say. That is your own intellect. Prophecy is directly coming from the Lord, which is why you need to learn how to hear his voice, which we talked about a couple weeks ago. There's four ways you can hear the voice of God, which is number one, you worship, right? The Bible says that he inhabits the praises of his people. You want to begin to hear the, hear the voice of God? Begin to worship, and your atmosphere will change, and you hear his voice. Number two is live a life of holiness. Isaiah tells us that sin separates you from God. It separates you from the manifest presence, not the omnipresence, but the manifest presence of God. You live a life of holiness, God will be with you. That another one is you begin to pray in the Holy Spirit. When you pray in tongues, I pray in tongues all the time. And generally, when I need to hear God, I begin to pray in tongues. And my environment shifts. And all of a sudden, my spirit connects with the Lord better. And number four is this. Stop talking and listen. Well, I just don't hear God. Yeah, because you talk all the time. Just sit in stillness and listen to the Lord. So I want to give you some practical, very practical ways on how to receive a prophetic word. Back in 2018... Uh, there was a husband and a wife um, that came and they, they came up to me and said, hey, Aaron, we have a prophetic word that we feel we're to give you. And we don't, it doesn't really make sense to us, but, but we're to give it. Because let me tell you something, a prophetic word doesn't need to make sense to you if it's for somebody else. It'll make sense to them. So they came in and said, Aaron, we, we really feel like the Lord is telling us that you're gonna, your feet are going to go in very dangerous places. And you're not going to know how you got there. But when you get there, it's going to shift the land. And so the Lord's going to begin to go before you and prepare a way for you to go where your feet shouldn't be. And I was like, okay, that doesn't make any sense to me, but sounds good. So I, I wrote it down. I actually went and found my journal last night and found where I had written it. And uh, two years ago, when we were in Iraq, in the mosque, the Lord brought that back to my memory and said, remember when I spoke that to you, that your feet were going to go to dangerous places where they shouldn't be. I was like, oh, thank you. That was a great word. Well, then two months later, David, Papa Visi, who, who's down there in Iraq, he called me, he's like, Aaron, you don't understand, when we went to the mosque, which by the way has never been done before in recent history, all the pastors there are like, it's been 100 plus years before the gospel's ever been preached in a mosque, and two white boys who shouldn't be there came to a mosque in a very scary situation with a bunch of Iranians and uh, preached the gospel and lived to tell about it. And all of a sudden when we did that, something broke in the land. And David's like, I've gone into multiple mosques since you've been here. We've been in places where we shouldn't have been since you've been here because something broke when you came. So all of a sudden the Lord brought that word back to my, my memory and he was like, remember what I spoke over you. So the question is, how do you receive a word, right? You get a word and you're like, what do I do with the word? Anybody ever get a word and you're like, uh, what do I do with that? Right. Many of us, especially in this culture here, a lot of people are prophesying on a regular basis. Let me give you a couple of points. Number one, how do you receive a prophetic word? You should be writing these points down. Expect God to speak. Expect God to speak. John 16 verse 12 says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. 
when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority. This is the Holy Spirit. But whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. God still has more to say. Amen. That's a great thing to amen to. God still has more to say. And the same way the disciples had a relationship with Jesus, we're to have that same relationship with the Holy Spirit. God wants to speak to you. And you need to come with expectation in your heart. Every time you come into this room, you should come with an expectation to hear God. Every time you're driving, have an expectation to hear God. Every time you're spending time with the Lord, have an expectation to hear God. This is why I say, at the beginning, I say, God, I am listening. Speak to me. God, I want to hear your voice. So I come with an expectation to hear God speak. Number one is expect God to speak. Number two is be open. God will speak to you in many different ways. Two weeks ago, we talked about all the different ways that God speaks to us. One of the ways is through people. Numbers chapter 22 tells us a story about how a prophet would not obey God, and so his donkey spoke to him. Let me tell you something. God's not just going to use the people you like. He's going to use the donkeys in your life. I, I have many stories that I can't say the names of the Praise God. And God will use ways, that, and if you're not expecting to hear and open to hear, you will miss it. When we were in Iraq, David told us a story about how there was two brothers, two twins, and one of them got saved. And he was thrown into the hospital because I believe he was, he was basically beat up for his, for his faith. And his brother, who was still a Muslim, was like, bro, I can't believe that you're a Christian. This is terrible. We're disowning you, like you're not welcome back into our home. I mean, if you become a Christian in Iraq, they will try to kill you. So he's distancing himself. So this Iraqi is up on a roof, this brother who's still a Muslim, up on a roof while his brother's in the hospital. And he looks down and all of a sudden at that moment, a dog walks by and the dog looks up. Now in that culture, a dog is like the lowest of the low animal. Like here, they're house pets over there. They're like, they're like rats. So they're terrible creatures there. And this dog, the lowest of the low, looks up and in perfect Arabic speaks to him and says, I am Jesus and I am with your brother and you need to follow me. Talk about an amazing picture of Jesus coming as the lowest of the low of a dog. You need to be open to however God wants to speak to you or you may miss it. Number three is pray into it. Practically, don't go to the person who gave you the word. If somebody comes to me and be like, hey, you gave me this word, what does it mean? I don't know. I told you what I know. So go and ask God. People are like, hey, remember the time you gave me that word? Nope, I don't remember. Yeah, but you gave this illustration. Yep, I got nothing. I just give the word. I don't remember, and I'm not going back to the Lord to ask for more. That's your job. You get a word, go to God and pray into what the word is so that you know what he's trying to speak to you. Number four is judge them. Judge the word. 1 Corinthians 14, 29 through 33 says, let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent for you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and be encouraged. And the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets. There again, if a prophet is not submitted, do not listen, Period. So if you're listening to a prophet on Facebook and YouTube, research them before you even give them the time of day. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. So if you get a word, judge it biblically, not critically. Don't just be like, oh, that's not God. Take it to the Lord and pray about it. 
okay if God is telling you has been telling you to go right and all of a sudden somebody without relationship with you comes and tells you to go left don't go left stop go to the Lord and say God is this you submit it to leaders and people who are discipling you God is this you judge the word the Bible actually talks about judging the spirit of the word it's the person who's giving it as well that's important to understand amen now a couple verses later says or did you or did the word of God originate with you or are you the only people he's speaking to prophets or are you the only people it has reached if anyone thinks they are a prophet or otherwise gifted by the spirit let them acknowledge that what I'm writing to you is the Lord's command but if anyone ignores this you will be ignored the biblical prophetic culture is this if you will not submit you will be ignored if you will not be held accountable, you will be ignored. And at the Promise Church, we follow the biblical culture of the prophetic. So here, we have a prophetic culture where words are judged. You don't just give a word and walk away and be like, hopefully that didn't screw you up. No, you're held accountable so that you can learn in your gift. So the question is, how do you give a word? How do you give a prophetic word? We had a prophetic class with about 100 people who attended it over eight weeks or nine weeks, something like that. And we knew that it was possible it was going to get really messy up in here. And actually, one of the nights, we had a youth, yeah, long, anyways, it got messy. Right, because we're training youth, we're training old people, we're training new people, just freshly saved, people have never prophesied before, so it can get messy. So how do you give a prophetic word? Well, first of all, tip number one, do not say, thus says the Lord. Do not say, God says. There's already enough seriousness on the word. You don't need to add any more to it. Because if you say God says and he didn't say, you are taking the Lord's name in vain, which is a commandment. The Lord's name in vain is just not using his name as a cuss word. It's actually attributing words to him that he did not utter. So the best way to say it is I'm feeling in my spirit or I'm sensing in my spirit this. And then they may respond and say, that's God. And you're like, I think so too. Great, we're in it together. But let them acknowledge it first. You're gonna be like, wow, that sounds very practical. You're right, because we don't want a bunch of things getting screwed up in here because people are saying, thus saith the Lord. Come humbly. You are merely a vessel. You are not God. In, our, in, the, in the class, as people are learning, we gave them three steps. This is how you give a prophetic word. Number one is when you get a word, you take it back to the Lord. Is this to share or is this to intercede about? Because many times God will give you a prophetic word just so you can pray. Number two is you go to somebody further along in your gift and you submit it to them. It's all about humility and submitting. And you submit it to them. And then number three is you take somebody with you. Because when you begin to prophesy, it creates a culture of the prophetic. Amen. Why don't you stand with me? Acts chapter 19, I read at the beginning, it says, And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. I believe that the Lord wants to fill many of you today again or for the first time and give you a deposit of the gift of the prophetic. For some of you, you've been given words again and again in your life and you've shelved them. 
you've locked them away and you've forgotten to remember you've forgotten to remind yourself what the Lord has said and today we're going to leave and move forward into pursuing the greater gifts amen are y'all with me y'all think about blowing stuff up and wasting money tonight let's talk about stewardship of finances I use intelligence. I watch everybody else waste their money. Lesson 101 on 4th of July. God wants us to leave the place of satisfaction and move into a place of desperation to say, God, I don't want to observe anymore. I want to participate and I want to communicate the words of God. Amen. So do this with me. Just everybody in this room, just close your eyes and just lift your hands. I want to pray over you. We're going to begin to worship for about five minutes, but I want to pray over you first. God, I ask right now that you would begin to come and give a deposit onto the people of this house, a deposit of the gift of the prophetic. Lord, that you would begin to move upon this house, that we would be a people that hear your voice. God, that you would open up our ears. You build faith in our hearts, God, to begin to hear the voice of God. God, we want to live lives of the supernatural. We want to live lives where we hear your voice and where we communicate your voice. So God, we say we don't want to stay in this place any longer, but we want to advance forward. We want to pursue earnestly the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We want to pursue earnestly the gifts of the prophetic. So we say, God, come and touch us today. Anoint us right now with the anointing of the prophetic. God, come and remove lies of the enemy that would try to convince people that you can't hear God. You're not qualified. God doesn't want to use you. God, we say yes and amen to being used by God. Say that with me. Say yes and amen. Say it again. Yes and amen. God, we say yes and amen to who you call us to be. God, that you have called us to prophesy. You speak to us. So God, I even right now, I ask that you remind us of prophetic words. Remind us of things that you've spoken, things that we've forgotten and pushed aside. God, we ask that you bring them back to our memory. God, bring those dreams and visions back to our memory. And we say yes and amen to those promises of God. Yes and amen to those words that have been spoken. And this morning as we worship you, God, we pray that the Spirit of God would begin to speak again, begin to speak to our hearts, begin to speak to our families, begin to speak to this church that you create a culture here of people who know the voice of their God. In Jesus' name, come on everybody in this room, just lift your hands again. Come on, let's begin to worship Jesus. Jesus.